Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? Hello and welcome to this week's Nerder She Wrote on the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I think I got all that covered. I'm your host, Dave Drafour, joined as I am every week by Seth Partnow and Mo Dekeel. We got Mike Smeltz listening in very closely to make sure we don't make any massive mistakes. What's up, guys? I Listen, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'd rather it be massive than small, Dave. That I mean, that's true. At least you know that it's a huge mistake and it can be cleaned up pretty easily. It's those little right. ones that slip through. You get enough little ones, that's what hurts you. Yeah. Mo is all about the big lie. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He's ready for politics. Let's go. Um, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Guys. Right. Let's go. <laughs> we are we just spent the last twenty five minutes basically doing the podcast as we were planning it. I think I think it's important to just uh jump right out and talk a little bit about the NBA reopening facilities, how we feel about it given the information we've got and uh, you know how feasible all this stuff is. Um, Seth, you and I, we, we've talked now on two occasions. We probably have another one that we are overdue for um, with Dr. Benny and Dr. Batazzi, uh, an epidemiologist and a viral uh, infection expert. This, this is ridiculous, right? It's farcical. Which part is ridiculous? The, the idea that the NBA is somehow, or sports in general, somehow are special and don't have to follow the rules of the, the that the rest of society is going to be, be operating under. Hmm. You actually came on, came on stronger than even I was. Oh yeah. No. No. Is, I think it's um, I think it's farcical. Yeah. I, I do think it is. You know the the so, amount of so, hoops that they have to jump through, and you know the the difficulty of the testing just being the bare minimum. Let's say we have enough tests to do the ridiculous amount of testing that they have to do. I mean, it's going to be an absurd amount of testing in order to do the the things uh, th- to play games. I don't think it's – I think it's only an, an absurd amount of testing in light of how poorly the effort to get more testing well, has That's gone. what I'm saying. I, I don't yeah. think it's an un- – yeah. So I think that when you say not the rules of the rest of society, I think – no, I think it's – I think they're subject to the same rules, but again, it's a – uh, we're seeing with with the plans to reopen, it's a graduated thing, and I think that uh, Doctor uh, Smart People, Doctor Binney among them, have pointed out that in the right conditions, like sports, could be in kind of one of the early groups. The problem is, is that still one of the early groups uh, after conditions A, B, and C, mostly involving you you know testing quality and volume, have been met, and that's a pretty huge kind of magic asterisks there. Um, you know, I think that on, on the front end, I did I did think that too much was made of, of you know, NBA players getting access to tests early just because of kind of the nature of, of, the, of, of the NBA life. Like these are, are potential super spreaders. So getting a handle on that and, you know, figuring out, okay, Rudy Gobert has it. We have no idea who else has it and what that means. Like getting a handle on that pretty quick. Um, I think that was not irresponsible. I think putting teams back into that role as, you know, any sort of competition and intermingling of groups and travel and stuff like that, like, returns them to some degree of, like, super spreader possibility. Like, doing that um, with in light of not having sufficient overall testing is crazy. Um, but with that testing, it's it's – 
it, it makes some sense. I mean, again, uh, one player gets diagnosed with this and we know it's only one player because of sufficient testing. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's no big deal, but this is a, from a, from a, my, you know, best medical whatever. Um, but, uh, and I, I am not a doctor, of course, but it's, it's a pretty low risk population for their own health and they're getting the best medical care possible and all that. So if we know it's only one, uh, that's not a, that's, that's not a, a categorically different thing than like a basketball injury, right? Right. But if one player gets it and we have no idea, then that's that's catastrophic, and that's where like why why the the Gobert situation was such a such a, a uh, everyone stop we're done moment. Yeah, I mean, all right. So both of you guys, Mo, uh, Seth, both of you guys work for NBA teams. How many people are involved per team with a game? Let's just I'm, like throw out a ballpark. It doesn't have to be exact. I mean, you have thirteen players. You have you know four coaches in the front row. You have. I, I wonder if you can probably get rid of some of your back row assistant coaches and you can start like, I think that would be something too, that would, you'd start paring down some of those guys. Um, but you have probably four in the back row, your trainer, somebody, I hope somebody's doing the math cause I didn't bother to count while I was doing this. Uh, you, you're the math guy, Seth. You, you were just bragging about your math skills. <laughs> well, no, so, so, uh, so no. So on, on the bench, I mean, you've got, you've got your, you know, you've got your 13 players, you've got, your your two guys who are inactive, up to four guys who are inactive. So they don't have uh, to be if, there though. If the uh, if the if yeah if the two way guy, but I'm just you know going sure. through. You've got you know your your head coach, three front row assistants, uh, trainer. trainer in the front row. Usually usually two security guys. Um, I don't know six to eight kind of coach slash film room types on the uh, on the back row, and and uh, and then like the. Uh, four or five kind of uh, you know medical training people, kind of very close to the court in the stands. And, I think that's right. that's that. And I, I think, as Mo's saying, I think especially kind of the back row, uh, and the video guys. Like you know, there's one person whose job. This is uh, tell me if, if if I'm wrong on this, but there's usually one guy who's kind of the runner, right? Who gets like a you know like like the the uh, like the lead assistants like okay we want that on the on the cut down at halftime so he's got to sprint back to the actual like main video suite to get them to like put that in the edit um and i think that uh some of like the the reason for that position is kind of the rules on electronic communication to the bench are actually fairly strict although they're actually kind of op- they're 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 very uh, they're, they're somewhat complicated on exactly what it is isn't isn't allowed, and I think that's an easy way to cut down the number of people like directly there is 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 having like reimagining those rules a little bit so you can have you can you can have someone like on their phone telling the film guy to you know not, throw something on the edit not even that and the, you can do that remotely you can almost add, like the assistant strength coach can also do that you know what I mean like it, it does you can you can you can kind of combine certain roles with some dudes to be able to do that um in that sense but yeah you can there's there's a certain amount where at a certain point where there is a excess amount of people on the bench in in particular the second row that you could probably cut back on and 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 limit or if we're doing and you don't let's need say the, let's say essential personnel with, with, with no fans you don't need the you don't need the security right. folks and, and i was gonna say know. with no with no fans you could probably spread out the people in the back you know for a little have somebody sitting sure. further away you know, like the like I said, the assistant strength coach doesn't have to be right at the bench. He could be sitting, you know, a, a little bit away and then get called over when needed or something. 
So you can you can you can spread out to the other sideline and then close out the shooters in both corners. Oh, that would be great. Right. How much bench? fun would so, that be? Okay. <laughs> so we're going a little off the rails, but essential personnel, you can let's say you can pare it down to like 20 people per team, three referees, uh, everybody who runs like the scoreboard of the clock, they don't have to be right there, okay? So 40 people roughly. One person gets it. I mean, think closer to closer to 50. All right. So let's say yeah. one person who's been tested, it was a false negative. Now you've got 40 people, 50 people who potentially have come in contact with this. And this is this is the big hang up. We're it's just we're not in place to be prepared for that. One yeah, guy I mean, testing positive before all this starts, great. But unless you're actually going to lock these guys down and I mean really like authoritarian lockdown, it just isn't going to happen. I, I think there's not also yet. A co- Well, if you can if you can like if you can have like reliable tests that are the results are available quickly, then you know you're then I think it's still but again this is getting back into the, the magic asterisk right. territory. Superhuman like, okay, so you need you need a reliable test that, that you can perform and is you get the results back in a couple hours at, at at most. And then you can even if someone has been like exposed, you can have you can have a good tabs on whether they're kind of uh, the, whether they're you know infected to the point of being of, of being uh, contagious, right? But we you know that it's still as far as we know, it's still kind of the swab in the nose thing, yeah. Right? And then however long it takes to to process that. And I still think I think we're still far away from that. Even them, just the 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 uproar is the facilities opening up, and I think even mm-hmm. in the tweets and and everything, it's they've been very careful to say this does not mean the season's coming back or anything like that. You know, this is, this is more the NBA's hand being forced with how some States are not really going name names. Oh, okay. Well, we'll go through it. Georgia, which is really just saying like, we're just opening everything up right away. Gyms are open and, and things like that. And, and, and we're, we're pretty much open to the public, you know, has, has kind of put them in a tough situation. You know, we're, Saying, you know, like, just think about it this way. If you're, uh, the teams are worried of guys who are going to go to these places to get workouts in, and that's an uncontrolled environment. Like, you know, they're, they're so desperate to get workouts in. Say Jimmy Butler goes from Miami to Georgia because he knows he can get into a gym in Georgia and get workouts in, and he gets the, he contracts COVID. They're, the the heat are kind of screwed in this situation. They're looking at it going like, at least if we open up our practice facilities, we can control the environment. We can control control who's coming in and out, and 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 how things are are, are cleaned and and making sure this this works out. It's not a, a great solution. I don't think anybody really wants that team wide. I think there there are con- there are concerns about that that we're putting people at risk. But it's it's an imperfect solution to a situation that's just kind of screwed up and beyond their hands. And I think this is, this is the problem the, the, the league is facing. And this is why they kind of had said like, look, we're going to have to reopen some of these facilities just to make sure our players aren't running to different places to get workouts in and putting themselves in more danger. At least here we can control the situation. Okay. And so who takes the risk in cleaning these facilities? That's, that's sort of my, the, one of, one of my worries is that the, it's, the, the the people who are going to be the people on staffs, whether it's coaching front office staffs, it's going to be 
like the intern. It's going to be the, the 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 newest film, the newest member of the film room. It's going to be the the very juniorest staffers who are going to be the ones who are going to be kind of you know in the positions of of most risk and um, you know and, and probably in a situation where they are um, less you know. Not as a lot of the the health resources are just not as accessible to them because you know for for various reasons like obviously that stuff is all set up to be geared towards the players which in the normal circumstances makes sense but you know it's you have to think about it now and it's like okay can the you know can the the can the intern now go see the team internist uh, w- without an appointment now because they're and and okay, so that, that we, we kind of solved that problem, but the, like there's all these little knock-on effects of how it would actually work in a facility that is that is worrisome. Though I do think like I hadn't considered Mo's point about how it, it like at least it's sort of a more controlled, less risky environment, and I think that's a good. It, it is better than these and, guys going you know, to like a 24-hour fitness. Yeah, right. I mean that's 100. That's that that's the situation that the, the teams are facing. Again, imperfect but solution. But it's still, you guys, it's still you guys, a kid. It's no, no, still no, exactly a kid that. running toward the the Christmas presents with a can of gas and a match is what it's it, what it is. I just don't understand the like. Just wait. Just wait. But they, it, but Dave, how do you control that? If you're if you're if you're the NBA, how do you control your players in that sense? You know, at least they're in this. At least they're providing. An alternative to if you're gonna if you have to go do this and this is voluntary, they're 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 not forcing players to go work out or or anything like that. They're they're literally saying like if you feel like you have to go get a workout in. Quarantining is also voluntary, by the way. Like in Texas, I, I, I don't have to stay in my house. No, I agree with you, but this is but my point is though, Dave. Like this is they're in a tough spot. Like how do they control that when other when when our 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 federal government and our state governors are making decisions that are reckless. You know, like they have to figure, I mean, they can't say, okay, look, I know, I know Georgia's opened up. Hey, Trey Young, you still can't leave your house. How does Adam Silver have that power? I mean, like if we, if we're saying the, 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 the States and these guys don't have that power, how does Adam Silver have that power? At least they're trying to find a way to at least go like, look, this sucks. This is not, they tell these guys they can't ride motorcycles. That's written into their contracts and things like that. I don't know if you're going to be able to write this into their contracts now. They stay after the fact. Hey, you have to stay home, or you go where we tell you to go. I think it's just these situations. And here's the other thing too: you can open up the practice facility, and like you said, it still might not stop a player from deciding to go to a 24-hour fitness instead of traveling to to wherever or whatnot. I mean, it's 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 an imperfect solution, but it's at least. Something they're trying to at least say, look, like if you have to at least do it here, if you're a team, you feel at least you have control over it. Seth is, makes a great point and you two do about like who's going to clean this and these, mm-hmm. it adds a lot of layers. It puts a lot of pressure on the teams to have to figure out how they're going to handle that and what resources are available to everybody that's involved in that situation. But it's better than, like you said, going to a 24 hour fitness and going to a general public situation i mean they're they're just in an impossible situation uh right now at this point like it's just i do i just don't know what they could do so and and it's a myriad of of reasons why they're in a in a bad spot because if they do use their resources to give themselves some special treatment whether that's you know you know contracting a lab to have more tests right like that's gonna look bad 
Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like the Lakers. It's not, no, it, 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 it doesn't look bad. It is well, bad. Right. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? I'm just saying like they're in a, they're in a position <laughs> yeah. where they probably have the resources available to be able to do it. And that puts them on a timeline to be being able to reopen faster. Um, but you know, the, the PR stuff and also the fact that, Hey, like you're not special, um, is, is working against them. So I, I do, I, I can see your point completely, Mo. And I think you're actually right. Like it is really, it's an impossible situation. And, you know, obviously none of the governments, uh, that are opening things up are doing anyone any favors. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, what are you, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's just like you're, you're screwed in that situation. And one thing I want to ask you guys this, and, and, and in this sense, though, because there was one argument that people were making that I didn't necessarily buy, but I wanted to get your, your opinions on the people who felt like it was an unfair advantage to, to teams that are in places that are having these orders not eased, you know, and, and other places are felt like it was an unfair advantage, you know, to the, to those teams. Like, how did you guys feel about that? I mean, I think that until you uh, you know the details of what's, I, I think that the that how, like, I don't think the NBA's like guidance on this is perfect, but I also think that teams are going to, um, almost I would be I would be surprised if there's a team that does like the letter of the NBA's instructions and no more from a from a safety, and I think the teams are going to be more more conservative. Um, they're like like two and maybe pass default, um, uh, which which you know good good for them. Um, but like I don't know what no one's going to be practicing. Yeah, that's that yeah. was that was my thing. It's not it's it's one guy getting shots in a gym versus uh uh <laughs> running your offense. <laughs> well, and that's like that. by by the way, the reality it has nothing to do with how I feel about the proposals. I think the reality is more it's going to be guys getting up shots and a rebounder and. I don't think you're going to have teams coming in scrimmaging anytime soon. No, yeah. no, no, you're going to, I mean, it's like, I think, you know, there is a way for it to be, you know, with some planning, I think you can set a schedule to have, you know, kind of the people rotating through the building in such a way to minimize contact mm-hmm. and you'll and have teams like make sure everything assumption. is sanitized appropriately. Yeah. yeah, no, like this is so. My 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 uh, my sister is a is a veterinary surgeon, and this, that's what they've been doing the whole time. Is like her team works for three days and then is off for for six, and like they don't they don't switch. She's working like normally, you know, the schedule is a schedule, and so like her her you know her her tech is you know one of the three or four people they have at the at the clinic, and then now she for everything she's doing, she has the same tech every time because that's the one team. And so I think that that's a that is a um, that is again we're talking about you know sort of first phase reasonable uh, you know reintegration of some sort of normalcy like stuff like that yeah that makes you know there, there's a way to do that it's just again uh, like the preconditions are questionable right for 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 even that and and I mean with the importance of contact tracing when there is infection present. Like this is just that's that's my big hang up when we talk about the quarantine, you know, league continuation under quarantine, whether it's in Vegas or uh, Disney, as Keith Smith kind of drew up. It's it's all about that. You know, can we can we trace all the contact when someone tests positive and figure out 
you know, where it came from and where it, it's heading. And it's just such a, I don't know. I the, think the you said an important thing, a, by so, the way. Like the logistics on that are, are, you know, a nightmare. You said you said an important thing, which is win. You didn't say if, you said right. win. And that's, and that's the, you know, I think, I think a lot, like part of the, the sort of the wishful thinking is that, that no, it won't happen. And that's just, you know, your, your, you know, what's the, the failure plan is planning for failure kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It's like, that's it, 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 it just will like that's, that, that is, but you know, if, if you're prepared for it, it's. You're more likely to recover if you're ready for the inevitability. Right. Yeah. I mean, you always plan yeah. for the worst right. and hope for the best. And we, we, yeah. Just and, like our podcast. But, that's what we do. All right. <laughs> all right. Now, I, I've yeah. done, are, I don't want to be are, the guy are, that. Are we done talking about this? I was going to say, yeah, I'm finished yeah. with it. I, I just, I yeah. thought we, you know, I wanted to at least talk it out with you guys. Um, but um, I don't want to be the guy that's just raining on the parade. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't think this is feasible at the moment no i mean it, and but i'm hopeful i mean you know there was, was like professionally I, massively better for each of us right. if yes as the sports come back as soon as possible that's right like you know it's a and it is it is you know on some level it is like no keep it locked down is would seem to be a statement against interest but but like my like i think our interests are that it comes back for real as soon as possible right and that and part of it's coming back and staying back is not coming back too soon. well i also think it could be completely detrimental to the league to come back and have to stop again. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's a bigger thing. And so anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about the NFL draft. Yeah. Let's <laughs> on, have some fun <laughs> on a basketball show. Uh, I watched the, I watched the first uh, day of the NFL draft. Um, and I, I think the NBA could learn a little bit from how they, how the NFL, ran the draft first of all i mean you know it everyone seemed to have pretty decent internet unlike the the nba horse competition um the camera quality looked like it was you know pretty consistent i i don't know the the details on this and maybe i should have asked someone um i wasn't sure if we were going to talk about it or not but it seemed like the nfl actually had production people in some of the homes i don't know if you guys saw this yeah no, good, good. Goodell had two PAs in. It. Like I was asking about it, like during the, they actually did like a whole thing on on his setup, and like I was wondering because he out he had those you know those very spiffy note cards with the NFL logo on the back of them, and it's like is he handwriting those himself? Are they like sent? They does he have a, like a fax machine where they get sent to? Does he did he people still have fax or, machines? No, there's actually like <laughs> I, I don't know like uh, it's like you know people do like, still fax. Are they being three D? Yeah, were they being three D print? There's actually some things you have to fax yeah. still, which is weird. Um, like some, like certain medical release forms. It's very strange. Um, anyway, um, uh, and so, but he had like, like you know, there's a there was like two PAs in his basement that would come like grab the card, run it to him, and then he'd you know sit he'd sit in his little in his little armchair and stick his hand in his pocket and you know from uh, with the you know the ninety second pick of the NFL draft from University of Louisville. The you know the, the 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 Dallas Cowboys send so and so to Jerry Jones' yacht and and you know move on from there, right? And so so from a production standpoint, I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, what what are some things that you guys think that the NBA could could really take away from from the draft, the draft process? 
I mean, Seth, you said what did the coach? What did that coach say? I've seen my family. No, there. This, no, this is this is like you've seen so much, and it wasn't just one. It was like oh, just a raft of coaches and executives saying like, "Wow, I've seen my family so much this 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 pre draft prep. This was pretty cool. It's making me reevaluate a lot of stuff and balance. And man, we gotta we gotta figure out ways to work smarter, not harder in the future. And, and you guys, and have, and, you've both worked for NBA teams, and you know how much of the work that I mean, you know. Everyone works hard in the NBA. That's like the thing. You gotta you gotta be able to outwork everyone. But how much of that work is just performative work and could be done in a smarter way that required, you know, less than eighty hours a week and you know, maybe less than uh three hundred days a year of travel. I mean it's Most? it's a, I mean, a lot of the stuff is just fake hustle. Like we've seen it, you know, Seth and I have seen it up close like we you can you can almost spot it a mile away and there's always times where you'll have a conversation with somebody like they work hard and i'm like no that's that's that fake hustle game um but there's there's a lot of that stuff and what we mean with the fake hustle it's just kind of like just pretending it's the costanza pretend to be busy kind of thing um sort of attitude and we, we we see that quite a bit but you know like i there's a way to be able to do the job, I think, and 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 still see your family. I think the the difference between the NBA and the NFL is the the travel schedule, like you just kind of alluded to, Dave. That's where it may, where it gets hard, right? You're gone for two weeks. You're gone for a week and a half, uh, depending on where you are. Like Seth, you might you guys might have had it different because in Milwaukee, you guys were in the Midwest, like the West Coast. We're always taking these super long trips. Uh, you know, hitting the East Coast and things like that. You know, some some teams are are fortunate where maybe the longest road trip they'll have is four days or something like that. But I just don't. I, I the the NFL was different. Is just like these dudes just grind themselves for the entire week preparing for the one game, and 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 I think that they're, they're kind of seeing the light now a little bit differently. Going like, oh, maybe maybe it's possible to do this just a little bit smarter. So. I mean, we, we did have like long West, like usually about two a year, kind of longer, you know, six, eight, 10 day West Coast road trips. Uh, but yeah, obviously the schedule is, is different with the, you know, the, um, the, the week grind to Sunday and then, and then, you know, break down a film Sunday through Monday, Tuesday off, blah, 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 through the, through the NFL week, such as it is. Um, uh, I, I think that the, uh, the coaching staff, my doesn't have any time for anything else during the season. And that's probably similar in, in the NBA largely. I, I do think though that there is a lot of room for, you know, you get, you get in that situation in, in like, uh, I, I, I don't actually game that much, but I read, I read like game development news and there's, you know, they call it crunch, which is everyone working 60 hours a week or more in like the last, like, Two weeks, month before a game is released, and it's because they didn't like they they kind of fell down on their planning and and execution kind of earlier. So now they have to, and I feel like that's some of it. Like a lot of there, there's a lot of sort of you can you can build the skeleton, you can build the frame of the house well before you have to pick the 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 drapes, right. you know. And your that's and your 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 exact draft order is like the finishing touches. It's the furnishings. You can build the house, you know, in, in, you know, you're, you're throwing a house party, you're, you're throwing a housewarming party, like in, in June, on June, whatever. It doesn't mean you need to finish the house on June 19th, right? 
So you, I think that's where uh, something that that's probably more fixable is is getting more of that done earlier. So then it's just you're kind of you're you're using that that time that would be crunched to actually like really think about stuff in detail and 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 put those finishing touches on rather than doing that while you're building the house. What about uh what about the war room? Because that was something that that our producer Mike Smeltz noticed. There there weren't a lot of people kind of making decisions. It was it was, you know, the it was like an assistant GM and a GM basically talking to each other one on one. You didn't have I mean, and I know in the NFL it's not often that they have scouts in the room anyway or at the table. Um how how is the NBA draft war room set up? And, and then do you think that they could benefit from having fewer voices on draft day? I don't know about Seth's experience, but in, in my course through three different regimes, basically, uh, the Clippers early on and, and, and then the Spurs and then back to the Clippers again with a, with a different regime, the – you know, it, it, it always felt like we knew who the key decision makers were, and it was usually like three guys. Um, and whenever they needed privacy, like I was in the draft war room because I'd be, you know, handing out, and this is how far far away this was or how long ago this was, I was handing DVDs. You know, we had like DVD, little like miniature DVD players and popping them in so so coaches could watch film on certain guys or whatever, and we had somebody else working the draft board. But when it came to the decision – it really was just, you know, our team president, GM, and 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 coach. And at that time, it was all Mike Dunleavy and, and Neil Olshay. My first time around with 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 the Clippers, and and uh, Elgin Baylor was kind of in and out. Uh, and then, you know, with the Spurs, it was really Pop and RC. And if Pop had, you know, uh, wanted to pull somebody else's opinion in, he 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 would. I mean, you know. Uh, they have guys that are that are studying film. Everybody has to go through film and 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 watch these guys. But on draft night, it's literally those are the the the, the guys who are making the decisions. And then same thing when I went back to the to the Clippers again, it was just kind of every experience I've had. It's always been you knew who the key decision makers were, and it was usually just two or three guys. And and I didn't see that often changing. No, I think that's right. I think that that other people are around more. Part of that is is you just kind of people sort of have uh, it's intel or or kind of kind of contact you know just around. So as the thing is going on, you know it can be reasonably fluid with with trades and the like. And just you know the 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 key decision makers don't don't necessarily have time to 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 jump on the phone. But say like uh, you decide you want to. You know, there, there, there's a guy who's slipping into the second round who you know will take a two-way from you. Um, and you look at who has, like, the next eight picks on the board. So you kind of divide those up and, okay, you got these two teams, you got those two teams, blah, 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 and just kind of have, you know, at a lower level kind of have some of those discussions about, you know, the possibility of, like, whether a team might be interested in trading or selling a pick and what the price might be. Um, so that, that uh, I, I think that... So those the people are kind of in the room to take those those kind of marching orders and then report back and and kind of feed that information into like the boards that everyone has. Um, so I think, uh, but in terms of who's actually like making the decision, yeah. And I think the um, I mean I, I don't know if this was 
this 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 is the case in some places, but not others. Doesn't sound like it was your experience at all. But like ownership is 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 usually around, and and oftentimes like that's that like it it you know that's. I mean, I have. It'd a be a great time. Kind of the, the, this would be a the great bucks, time for the buck smelts to drop in. Stauskas. I have, I have, I have a good, I have a good. If you want, I have a pretty good Sterling story though, um, because it was always a show for Sterling, and and he would come, his wife and and, and friends or whatever. And I just remember uh, explicitly the the draft with the Clippers where we took Al Thornton. Uh, I just remember uh, Shelly Sterling running up to Dunleavy and just in his ear about one specific player. And I don't remember who it was. It wasn't, uh, Al, but it was just like, she's like, I'm adamant. He's going to be a player. He's going to be a player. And all of us were just like, one person told you this guy is good. And that's how you're, you're getting that. And I think it was just a manner. It was just how you manage those people. I mean, Seth is right in that there's a lot of people around. I mean, most of the time I was hanging around just for the free food. Um, but like you do have a lot of people around. Oh, great food! It's a good, good draft day meals. The uh, is 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 high quality. That that little buffet station is uh, is usually where you found me if I wasn't handing out video. Um, but you know, you I'm I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess it was Nick Young. By the way, no, it wasn't Nick Young because I was secretly hoping we were gonna draft Nick Young just because SC. Um, and and I knew it wasn't him because and it's really just because I can't remember. But I knew it wasn't him because I, in my head I remember thinking like if she says Nick Young I'm gonna be so pissed off, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I'm just no I'm just looking at the two I'm just looking at the two thousand seven draft and like but it was like, like that was the one it, that jumped it, out it, at me because he went to USC. Yeah, it was like she had intel on something and everybody was just and the person I mean the player ended up not even getting drafted I think so. Um, but it was just like that. You have those kind of obstacles. Like draft day is a fun people watching experience more than anything else. If you're not fully involved, uh, watching the scouts trying to get, you know, a, a, a little more, uh, uh, feel like they have a little bit more power. You have people working the phones and, and so-and-so's calling and you have, you know, the GMs trying to excuse themselves to go talk a trade or something, um, you know, amongst each other and, 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 and weigh it back and forth and then come back and, 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 and maybe call somebody else into, into that little group. And that person feels like they're a big shot only to find out that they need to go get the coffee. It's like all sorts of different things that you, you, you can kind of watch in a draft war room that we didn't get to really have in the, the NFL draft. Not that I ever really watch it, but just this draft was different because of you have just two or three guys on video, you know, talking and making the decision. So I think that was the aspect of, this draft that's different, but the draft war room in general is usually a bit chaotic, but it's like, you have just a couple of people that are, that are in control and nothing's right. more fun than when your guy gets taken off the board before you want them to like, like Seth talking about trying to get, trying to buy a draft pick in the second round. And, 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 you know, you're, you're just about to secure that draft pick only for the guy to go to the pick before that. Uh, let me ask you guys a, a hypothetical because the NFL did their draft on time. If the NBA, let's say June 1st, decides, okay, the season is done. We can't salvage it. Uh, we need to move on. Do you think they should just try to get back on schedule and have the draft when it was scheduled and start free agency when it was scheduled? I mean, the teams, it, like, is anything really changing by pushing it back to August? I think teams... I mean, I think the, the big thing is... is the, go ahead. No, you go, Seth. I've, I've said enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> too much for it. No, wow. Uh, I kid, Mo. I kid. No, you don't. Yeah, let's go. Uh, <laughs> no, we. Um, I think that teams would rightly feel a little bit caught short by that. In that they they like you you you're not you don't know what the target date is, and you know like I imagine that, and well, I know for a fact that that a lot of teams have have been reasonably uh, you know. Have been very accommodating of their of their employees, like making sure that that everything like in life is okay, and you know. So obviously, a lot of the pre draft stuff is just now kind of I don't know sort of just now, but it's like they're they're they haven't been hitting it the same way. Um, you know, they've been doing stuff to to keep busy and blah blah blah, but they haven't really dialed in on it yet. And I think that if you said, oh no, we're still doing it on the same date. Uh, when everyone's kind of been in a holding pattern without real guidance on it, I think that teams would reasonably feel a bit aggrieved that they that they are being forced into you know figuring out a, a, an unknown process like on the fly because they haven't gotten en- really enough guidance in terms of what's actually like happening. Now maybe there's been more internal communication than we've heard about. I strongly doubt that, given the sewing circle that is kind of the NBA executive, uh, the NBA front office and, and coaching ranks. Um, I think that, you know, someone would have tweeted about it or we would have heard about it. Um, so I, I think that, like, you, you do, like, it's a, it's a process that should be, you should be further along than you need to, like, crunch for the last month. But you still need that last, you know, three weeks month to really get you know, dialed in on 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 everything you need to about the the you know the prospects about the possibilities of trades, trying to get intel on on uh, on on what other team where other teams are leaning, trying to do the 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 you know the background and PI and medical work on on the guys you're considering drafting. Like that's like I don't even know how you do that this year. How do you do the psych testing? Yep. Um, you know all of these things. Like there are there are, like these are not intractable problems but these are new problems that you just have to figure out a process for and you know not having any sort of firm guidance on what your target date is means that you know teams are flying a little blind right now and i I would feel like if if you told me hey draft is june 20th i would be like whoa 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 right right well no combine was the the first thing that popped into my head whenever someone's asked me it's the fact that You know, for a lot of these guys, you don't really have like you don't have your own measurements. You don't even have the combine measurements, Uh, whereas the NFL, you know, they they got past all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know if the NFL has the draft if they didn't have the combine. You know, if this if this had happened, uh, when's the combine March? If this is or or February, like if this had happened. okay. so if this if if all of this happened right after the Super Bowl and everything got shut down, like, I don't know if the the, the teams would want to even have a draft. At that point, because of that, and I think that's the, the the combine's a big thing to me. We've talked about it, I think, before on one of the pods, you know, about the the, the draft workouts and things like that. I don't think you're going to have that this year. I think that's something teams are just going to have to deal with. But like, that's how Donovan Mitchell shot up, you know, and 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 you know, he he blew Utah away with the the the, the draft workout. And it's part of the puzzle. But like, having the 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 medical stuff is just so important to teams like, and I know teams, I know there are teams now I've spoken to some of them who 
guys are working on drafting, you know, steadying the draft, steadying guys and, and doing as much as they can in the, in the situation they're in. But you, you just feel shorthanded in that sense. Like the medical report's probably one of the biggest things teams count on in terms of just, you know, a doctor fl- red flagging a player um, saying, you know, you can't draft him. Like that's a big deal. And I think we kind of, you know, because we're not fully involved with it. I don't think people really understand how how huge of an aspect that is for teams that they they really kind of worry about that. And I'm I just think right if you just said on June first, like, yeah, hey, we're gonna have the draft on the twentieth or twenty seventh or whatever it would be. Um, you know, I think teams would be like, no. And I just don't know the rush. Even if you did cancel the season June first, in in your hypothetical, like I don't know the the reason to rush necessarily all of that stuff. And even having free agency. Like, are we going to even know the cap number at that point? I mean, uh, I, the way the cap thing works is th- they essentially have a working number and then it adjusts after the finals. You know, I, I think that if, if they're canceling the season, I would guess they would have the cap number in about four days. Okay. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, something so, like so, that. So, so, so yeah. Although, although I, I, I do think that there's probably going to be some negotiation about that because you don't want to be in a situation where – like the cap, like you know, the 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 cap was like uh, whatever it was this year, one hundred nine, hundred yeah, something, yeah, yeah. yeah one hundred nine, and then next year it's ninety two, well, right? And then and the this year is after, something the year after it's one twenty five. Yeah, this like, is something know, we'll like, we'll yeah. touch on, uh, you know, in the future. But my assumption is uh, that there will be cap smoothing, and that the hit, if there is one, will essentially just be like taken over multiple years instead of all at once, um, which is what they tried to do to avoid the, the previous cap spike. Now, the money, the BRI, so the players make the same amount of money, uh, whether the cap is 109 or, or 99 next year, right? Like, it's it's basketball-related income. It has nothing to do with the cap. The cap is a just a guess. So they can just smooth that cap out, stop, you know, make it so that teams aren't aren't up against it, in a in a sense, we're we gonna have to explain escrow. I hope not. I mean, uh, this is this is a. By the way, this is this will be a Larry Coon episode that we do. It, it, it's, almost too it's almost two nerder. It's almost two nerder. Yeah. Well, that's why you got to no, bring in Larry Coon. About it. You got to jazz it up, and uh, Larry knows how to present this in a way. So we'll do that here in the next few weeks. Uh, but but my assumption is, yeah, there's going to be some cap smoothing, and what that'll do is, you know, we'll probably just have. You know, I, I'm guessing the cap is going to be right around the same next year, and and probably for the the next few years. Even if you have a huge increase in BRI, um, essentially, you know, suffering the 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 cap gain or loss, um, and and averaging it out. Uh, that's my guess. But we'll get Larry on to to explain all that stuff. Uh, what are you guys doing this week? Anything? I same have- old. I dove into uh, and and in the process of diving into the the Lakers Blazers series from 2000. Just you know, I got time, so figured I'd start kind of <laughs> watching that. I just did a thread on Game One uh, uh, two days ago, and 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 probably if I could find Game Two, which is really annoying, I could find Game Three, but I can't find Game Two. I'd like to be able to do the whole series, but uh, um, I wonder. Who, I, I just I, I idly wonder who refed Game Two. <laughs> man listen the, i got lob, a great clip that i got it listen you want to talk about refing i got a great clip of uh ronnie garrison giving sheet his second technical and it is one of the funniest things i've ever seen in the way a technical has been given out 
Uh, she she deserved it at this point. Uh, and, and it doesn't look like it in the clip, but but he definitely did deserve getting tossed in this game. And I'm not saying that because I was a Laker fan at the time. Um, but like just the, the referee's reaction of calling the, of, of teeing him up and kicking him out of the game was probably one of the funniest things I had ever seen. And I was so happy to find this clip because I remembered it when it happened and I was forgotten all about it. And then I forgot it was game one. And when I found it in this game, I just ended up giggling to myself for at least 20 minutes. It, it, I, I'll retweet this clip later. Uh, Seth, what, what do you got working on? Uh, I'm still working through my, I've been doing, you know, the, uh, the, the kind of the evolution of play styles, uh, across the league. I, I'm continuing with that. I'm going to, I'm next doing some, uh, comparisons, uh, between how the NBA's game game has changed versus how the high major D one game has changed versus how the WNBA game has changed and how like the G league and, and even summer league have changed. Um, just to, or, or how, and especially how G League and Summer League play kind of compare to the NBA, because I think that's, uh, I think that's sort of one of those, those unknown factors. And you, 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 people want to read a lot into kind of, you know, box score statistical production in, in Summer League. Oh, this guy's going to be blah, blah, blah. And then you realize like just how different a game it, it is. Uh, and, and so there's some, I had some interesting stuff I found about Summer League play. That uh, that that we'll get into there, and then I'm I'm kind of doing some. I'm actually putting my re- reporter hat on and and doing some uh, investigation as to what uh, what uh, kind of my old uh, my my old adversaries that the the uh, analytics groups around the league are are uh, kind of up to these days. And you know, I my my guess is that there's there's a lot of uh, draft and free agency prep going on, and and kind of uh, figuring out. Uh, you know, if that the brain power that was being spent on playoff prep is now uh, cranking on some draft models. Yeah, well, I can't wait to uh, to see all that. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back. Whoa, next whoa, week. whoa, whoa! What are you doing, Dave? What are you working? What are you? Uh, oh, nothing. Doing this week, nothing, nothing. I I'm going to be uh, you know doing stuff around my house. I'm going to look right. at houses because I'm moving. Ba- okay, okay. Yeah, buy a, yeah. Buy a ranch. Uh, yeah, I sent you guys the one I want to buy. So yeah, you know, uh, that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back look, next look week. The one you're going to look, the one you're looking at looks like a visitor center. Just <laughs> <laughs> quit like, cutting me off and let me end this podcast. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. How many we'll horses are you going to get Dave <laughs> with more nerd or she wrote?